dragons, spirits, ancient histories that are yet to be discovered, packs with gods, and a goat. If you like any of those things, you should probably come check out The Broadswords. We are a non-binary and all-women podcast that uh, play a little bit of 5th edition Dungeons and & Dragons. And let me tell you, there are not a lot of dice that are rolled, but there are a lot of shenanigans to be had. You can find us at thebroadswords.com or listen to us wherever your podcasts are cast. You know things... I know some too. Sit right down, the them explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Femsplain! Good morning, Avalon. Good morning, Diana. <laughs> Good morning, and good morning to our listeners. Uh, if you're listening to this at another point in time other than the morning, Stop. get out of here, yep. go back, try again. This is a morning podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, so Avalon, uh, this is a podcast. This is a podcast called Femsplained. Uh, and what is Femsplained exactly? Absolutely not going to help out with that. I'm no? not feeling helpful. <laughs> I feel antagonistic. You're That's on your fine. own. All right. So since I'm on my own, uh, Femsplained is a queer femme podcast about being nerds in a nerd space where you can't be interrupted or quizzed. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be quizzed. quizzed. Very important. Very crucial to the Femsplained algorithm that you not be quizzed. Um, And let's see. Last week we talked, well, Avalon talked about Final Fantasy X uh, to a very confused me. (laughs) Um, I've gotten a lot of feedback that people don't understand why I didn't do seven. So... Yeah. I'm, um, and that's feedback I'm not interested in. <laughs> no, I actually thought that the feedback that was the most funny to me on the Final Fantasy X was that uh, people feel like it's a consensus that men love Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. And that the only time that Marty interjected was about Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that So that, that tracks, pretty, yeah. Yeah, it tracks. Um, <laughs> So, uh, let's see, uh, has, has nerd culture done anything to fill your cup lately, Avalon? I'm enjoying Loki. I don't know if you're watching it. I am too. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I am liking it a lot. Uh, I feel like the episodes go by really quickly and I'm mad that I'm not waiting until the end and then just binging it. I don't have the patience for weekly programming. So <laughs> oh, see, I'm mad about that. I need like, I need. I need a bingeable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I should have oh. waited till the end Yeah, because I have no self-control. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, but I enjoy it. Yeah, show. I do too. I'm really glad uh, that they're giving me exactly what I want. Uh, I feel like I. I want <laughs> to know what that like means for you uh, without spoilers, but I can't. So I yeah, no, I'm not going to spoil yeah. this, but we'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Uh, so yes, Loki, anything else? Um, I can't play Elder Scrolls anymore because of my hand injury so uh, oh my god frustrating that's very frustrating yeah. i'm very sorry 
That's about it. You played Monster of the Week recently. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and that was wonderful. Um, I got to guest on the Fey Realm. Uh, I hadn't actually played a TTRPG in a good while, let alone, a, like, especially a streamed one. And it was really fun. And so now I would like to play more Monster of the Week. I liked how straightforward the system was. Oh, I was going to ask about that because I haven't played it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty much just, it's just role play. It seems like it's role play and then you can vaguely justify what you're doing by calling it one of your attributes. But I think you just get to do whatever you want. Oh, good. That's how I play d and <laughs> anyway. So that's yeah. fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> excellent. I love that. Um, uh, what has nerd culture done for you? You've been playing a million games. I've been playing a million games, mushroom game. Well, you know what? I feel personally victimized because I was sick all week. So I missed every single one of my games, um, which I'm pretty bummed about. But uh, space game is going really well. Mushroom game going really well. And I have a game later today where that's brand new. And I'm pretty excited about that, too. Well, so I'm just playing lots of playing lots of games, which is like a very different energy than like making quote yeah. unquote content is like just getting to just play. I'm um, proud of you for like not DMing at all anymore. <laughs> yeah. I just you. <laughs> took a, took, took that off the table for a while. I'm pretty happy about it. So I'm stoked about that. And, um, anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Just playing Good. lots of games. Yeah. Nice good um but we have other people who need to tell us about uh their nerd culture experiences recently uh we have derek and freya here from queer arcana which oh. is the coolest yes. oh. hi so good morning to both of you thank hello. you thank you for having us thank you <laughs> it's um, evening here but thank you uh, oh yes, yeah, yes. You know what? then you have to leave yes <laughs> it's a morning oh, sure. only podcast <laughs> Get out of here. Um, so uh, let's start. Let's start with uh, Derek. Has anything uh, nerd culture done anything to fill your cup recently? What has been going on? Oh, my God. I've been uh, rewatching. I've been watching back the Nintendo E3, mm. uh, I think. And I'm very uh, happy for Shimigami Tensei. Uh, that is uh, that's going straight in my basket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm very excited for everything new coming up. Um, we had a rehearsal today uh, with the Queer Arcana cast. Uh, we played D&D today. Uh, we did some improvisation theater. We did some uh, cool character exercises. So yeah, our life is uh, back to the to the brim with uh, with D&D. I love it. That's a hell of a day. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for bringing up E3 because I would have, I feel like we did a bad thing forgetting about it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we totally <laughs> really grazed over that entirely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Freya? What's uh, nerd culture been doing for you? Um, well, I think a lot. Recently, I've um, been finishing a long campaign I've been playing in, so that's nice. Um, and I have been writing a fancy book for the last um, couple months or so. I've started that, so I, I, I guess that's a, a gaming culture from another, or a geek culture from another standpoint, so... I think yeah. I think that's mostly what I've been doing. Yeah, like a when you say a fantasy book, you've been writing like um, a narrative, like a novel, or like a setting type of thing. Yeah, so so I've I've been uh, mostly a world builder, I think, for five years now, um, and I've written uh, quite a bunch when I was younger, 
But I was like, I have so many D&D and fantasy worlds now. Like, why don't I ever use them for something that is not D&D? <laughs> so um, so oh, I just phenomenal. started writing. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Um, wow. Well, thank you again for being here um, and for, mm. for sharing your time with us. Uh, we we do have a topic which i'm very excited to talk about because it's a it's it's definitely a heavy one um and we're we're going to talk a little bit about consent rules in dnd and if you can uh, kind of related uh to this can you write fantasy that isn't sexist homo trans or queer phobic um and my favorite part, what is left of fantasy culture when you get rid of these tropes, um, which I, I love and I'm excited to dig into. Yeah. <laughs> Before we like start really talking about that, though, I, I do want to just talk about Queer Ar Arcana, just a scotch because it's so cool. Um, oh, thank you. It's yeah. it's so distinct and and interesting um, because it's. It's D&D, &D, it's a drag show, it's a theater performance, but it's not quite 100% of any of those things. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's, so like the D&D &D that you're doing almost is coming across to me as like LARPing because you're yeah, it is. on, yeah. right? We're in costume, yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah, you're yeah. not sat behind a table, you're, you're moving the whole time. Which is right. completely yeah. different from how we usually play D and D, of course. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, so what we are is we are um, a a drag group, a group of drag performers uh, performers that plays Dungeons and Dragons on a live stage, and then edited uh, we edit it and we uh, put it out as a web show, uh, which you can watch on YouTube, uh, and everything is for free on there. So go watch everything <laughs> that we own, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so that's what what we did, and I'm myself. Uh, I'm a, a designer, um, so I um, think a lot of doing like cultural projects. And Freya is a phenomenal uh, dungeon master, and uh, so I thought I have to use this woman for my personal gains. So we, <laughs> we, we teamed up, uh, and uh, now I. Um, I abuse her talents for this show. Yeah, really, you should check it out. She, she's like amazing uh, voice actor oh, and uh, and DM. And we set ourselves the goal like, okay, we have an archetypical way of playing D&D, of course, which is around the table with your friends. And if we look at all the D&D streaming media, even on YouTube, we never really break the mold of this table. This table is such a ritual. Holy artifact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a big D&D &D artifact, the table, and we saw an experiment in like in what if we can have these characters use their bodies and use space, like physical space, to enact these scenes, because I think we've seen this generational wave that is so hyper-focused on role-play in D&D that we felt like, okay, can we push that sort of to the next Even level? Even more, right. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then it, it just spiraled out of control uh, because I originally am a, um, I'm a 3D visual artist, so I make uh, art for video games. 
And uh, then I just said like, okay, now we're also going to do 3D graphics on top of our theater show and visual effects on top of the theater show. So it becomes this sort of <laughs> half physical, half digital space where these queens just go on adventures and all this sort of CGI is overlain. And it turned into this really weird monster of a project. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sometimes <laughs> feels when you're watching it, it feels like drag artists playing D&D and trying to be a Marvel movie. Innocence. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Because there's that that element to it also. Um, it really is. It, it's it's very much it's its own thing because we've seen I've seen some shows of, um, you know, I've seen uh, drag queens, uh, you know, playing D&D. Uh, we've mm. seen uh, porn stars playing D&D. We've seen, uh, mm. you know, what insert insert archetype here playing D&D but it's always people around a table playing D&D it you know yeah. just from a yeah. particular group this is so very like different and new and I I think that that's really really cool yeah. um I think that's in part also because people are really scared of the term and the idea of LARP generally mm-hmm. but LARP <laughs> yes. has such a close connection to D&D um, as I think yeah. Derek and I found out when we did LARP and D&D yeah. simultaneously. And, so and LARP is live action role playing for the people yeah. who uh, yes. <laughs> might not know the acronym. Yes. And, and drag, of course, is also a very embodied art form in a sense. So it just felt very natural to because we started, I think, with the idea of going behind a table and then instantly we were like, oh, that'd be very strange for some reason. People just had to get off their seats and fully act it out. Yeah. Oh, how cool. So um, I think that uh, it 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 leads into this this topic, this larger topic about, you know, writing fantasy settings or games that are not, um, you know, sexist or queer phobic um, to there's a certain advantage that comes that that I think is difficult to explain to anybody who hasn't been in this scenario but playing in a game where everybody around you is queer in some way is there's like there's like a little bit of a a privilege in that in that like the the effort that it takes to avoid those things just isn't like yeah isn't as high um as it is when you're in, you know, mixed company, I guess you would say. Definitely. definitely. Right. Um, have you, I guess, in your, in your game and Freya, uh, is this game as you're the DM, is this kind of a original, um, setting of your, of your invention? Yeah, yeah. Well, Derek and I, we we sort of co-DM for the most part. So Derek mm-hmm. mostly does like because when you when the players have to be on stage, it's a lot more effort to keep, especially if they're fucking drag artists. You're gonna be chaotic <laughs> on the stage. I would imagine. So yeah. <laughs> Derek is mostly like stage management, um, and I'm mostly the narrative DM. Um, it is a, a a setting that I wrote. Uh, we originally started with inspiration from uh, Sabrina's Chilling Adventures. <laughs> And then it sort of went off there regarding a fa- an actual fantasy setting. Um, and that worked out quite well, I think. It is, it's a mix of all sorts of uh, European cultures, um, which meshes quite in- interestingly, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, 
when we when we sort of because I think our story and we accidentally did that in the beginning uh, and then we found that out in the middle of, of, of the way like um, <laughs> for me we're having this conversation like we've got to stop making every NPC an elderly woman um, <laughs> because we were we were sort of going around this sort of you know uh, this house of mis misfits but it was we use sort of witches and witchcraft as a sort of a very old metaphor of um of a sort of minority you know being uh being suppressed by a larger system so and yeah, marginalized sort of, empowerment uh, yeah thing, definitely yeah. so we started um like from from the from the metaphor of witchcraft um and it also felt very drag to start there um and sure. we weren't at one point writing uh, heterosexual male characters and I think they almost don't appear well and and we accidentally our, our mind wasn't just going there uh, for for some reason right for I'm sorry if I'm misrepresented <laughs> sure. and no. then in, in 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 sort of in the middle we sort of realized like oh we've been so I think we were biased also in in a certain sense but then just the other way around we were sort of um yeah, yeah writing it's, it's... based on our yeah, I think it's interesting because like the building pillars of the setting were like old matriarchs, which I think yeah, is interesting. Sorry, that's a better explanation. Yeah, and I think that's interesting. I mean, it it fits the reason I think when you're building a setting on like the idea of witchcraft as marginalized empowerment, like, of course you're gonna have matriarchs of some sort in that sure. setting. Yeah, yeah. So that felt natural. I'm curious, um, I, I don't want to make the assumption that your journey into even just finding out about D&D in the first place was um, maybe as gate kept as ours. It, can you speak a little bit to your earlier experiences with D&D? Yeah. Here. Yeah. Freya, do you want to start? Yeah, I think mine was pretty okay, actually, but that's mostly because I curated the community um, so we kind of started, I think, seven years ago or something when a critical role hype really started going and everyone started playing D&D. And I wasn't out at the time yet, but a lot of people want, wanted to play and I just, I've been the forever DM since always. So I feel like that has given me more power to curate that small community of players as well in, an, in a nice way. So I didn't really find out about the gatekeeping as much until around the time I met Derek. Derek didn't do this, just to be clear. <laughs> I was the biggest gatekeeper. <laughs> but I, I met, kept you I, out for years. <laughs> but I met Derek at, a, at an open house, like D&D table, an open table event, sort of. And suddenly it was such culture shock because there was a lot of like the very stereotypical uh, gatekeepy um, cishet mill players. And I was like, this is so strange. And then Derek kind of jumped out from that as not being so, so. as as a gay you mean yeah <laughs> yeah definitely yeah i think i think dnd &D is a very interesting um it's a it's a bit of an odd duck sometimes in the for my experience in in the sense of gatekeeping because it's a social game that you often get introduced by by friends if you're lucky so i think my gatekeeping experience, um, I haven't had a one-on-one -on -one experience with gatekeeping uh, because at the time I started D&D, I already was out of the closet and had a lot of queer friends. And I started D&D with my friend group, if that made sense. So sure. um, 
Yeah, so, so so that's how it originated for me. Now, if if there would be have, have been a situation where I, as a as a uh, as an individual, would have maybe maybe joined an adventure league setting. Yeah. Um, an adventure league for the people who don't know D and D is more of a, a sort of a nationally organized. Uh, event in the game shops that anybody can join and yeah. then it is very location based on, on on what kind of people you get there of course and it's very um locally based geographically based if you have an, uh, an open accepting town it might be fine but maybe yeah. so you're sort of uh you're you're sort of uh taking a chance uh, who you're going to meet in there and then i can imagine gatekeeping happening a lot um yeah yeah, so I, I can't really speak for that experience, but you sort of hinted at that you have an experience with gatekeeping. Can you maybe t- tell something about that? <laughs> yeah, I, definitely. I just um, like, think it's bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was not fun. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. Uh, I think it, it's, um, you know, uh, I think that what you said hits on kind of the, the opposite of, what our experiences were because you got into this after you had a more like accepting group of friends. And I think both of us inched our way into it initially before we had an accepting group of of friends around. (laughs) I think that's like kind of a, and, and was kind of introduced to it by like the more generalized public, or at least that, that was what it was like for me um yeah you know public gaming stores uh public conventions things like that where i didn't have like a a tight-knit circle of you know uh queer friends or even like even like feminist friends like i i was kind Mm. of in in that larger generalized population that it was introduced to me and it was not as great yeah we had really shitty boyfriends who played yeah i feel like the problem was that we had shitty boyfriends yeah yeah as much so Uh, (laughs) as the fact that they wouldn't let us play (laughs) yeah yeah they wouldn't let you play oh yeah no that was a whole thing yeah I, that, oh was, my God. <laughs> that was the whole thing. It's really, it's really fine because, um, you know, knowing what we know now, that would have not been a fun time. Um, so, oh yeah, true. Yeah. I think it actually yeah. would have been horrible if we if yeah. let us play. Yeah. yeah. It would have been bad, uh, bad, but, um, so I think, I think it's interesting. So like the group that you're playing with has so much to do with what the experience is going to be like. Definitely. And in some groups, like deleting or in some groups, those sexist tropes, tropes, those transphobic tropes, queerphobic tropes, um, it does feel like you have to manually delete them. But like in a in an in a queer friendly, like all queer group, it doesn't feel so much like you're like deleting these things as like just kind of like what you said that you like accidentally forgot to create like cishet male characters because like you you're just telling your own story from your own yeah from your own definitely. inner perspectives um yeah yeah we, we we do we do hear the horror stories from um we do hear the horror stories from uh from people that are listening to our show or like thanking us in a certain way and we also try to sort of uh uh 
fill the waters like in in the Dutch D and D community. So we post like on the Facebook groups like do queer people have experiences with that? And there are so many stories coming up um, mm -hmm. about people having experiences with gatekeeping or being made uncomfortable. So let's let's say it's not obvious gatekeeping like outright uh, sometimes it's just being super uncomfortable at the table uh people making uh women in general like people making adv advances on your character mm -hmm. yeah uh, without you asking it's it's sort of a sort of weird subconscious conduct also that yeah. um yeah that's also 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 gatekeeping of course yeah we, we see that as well in like larping as well a lot and mm -hmm. we talk about this because this phenomenon is so weird but in many sort of non, well, well male-centric spaces, as many LARPs, I think, and D&D spaces, there's so much weird, unnecessary desire for plot around women's bodies. It is yeah. so weird. Like half of the LARPs uh, I've been to had some sort of pregnancy plot. Uh, or like, definitely. why ever is this... It's so strange. Um, life action role play is, is another well of darkness. It has more sides, of course, because we found great joy and also sort of at the biggest adrenaline rushes during life action role play. Um, sure. so, so for us, it is, it is feeling conflicted to talk about that. I mean, like I went with my sister to a LARP and her character um, was sort of invited into uh, a rape plotline with a barbarian chieftain. Sure. And this was her first time sort of as a newcomer going to to the LARP and, um, you know, and she agreed with it and with sort of with great joy. She, I mean, like she, she saw the fun of it, mm -hmm. sort of that's how she said it. And then we had a conversation afterwards, like, oh, um, we were talking about okay but then did you do that because you wanted to sort of like please the people organizing it or you felt it was like too much trouble to say to like, rock no, the boat I, yeah yeah definitely you don't want to be a party pooper people saying like oh no why you're making trouble out of this so there's this whole i don't know it, it just um i think and and of course nobody meant any harm with it but i think it's a subconscious right. form of gatekeeping again because male characters never get rape plots if i say right. like, oh yeah now your character was raped in a bush and now it has hiv or well, i mean like that's sort of like an if you say that to a male character saying like and then like no no i don't want you to decide that for my character and it's like okay then stop writing pregnancy plot for the for the female characters right you know or something yeah i i this is actually so years ago the very first panel that I was on uh, was about, and this is like before I, you know, knew about or experienced, you know, the larger fear culture in gaming. I was not fully out, like all, all kinds of things. So I was just on this panel and it was just about being a woman in gaming. And it was just me mm -hmm. like at this massive con and like all they could find was like me and one other girl. <laughs> that was the panel, quote unquote. Um, and we did this panel, you know, talking about tropes that come up a lot. And one was a sexual assault trope, a damsel in distress tropes, uh, you know, like uh, things that you're either encountering a ton of in game or it's being pushed onto your character. Or sometimes it's like baked in, like in the old A and AD and D, like Gary Gygax yeah. had like one one loot table that included women in it. Like like that you could like wow. get yeah. as a 
as a reward for completing a task. That's how like, you know, baked into this, it, it has been. Um, and so we talked about those tropes during this and how like, you know, encountering them so much, you know, maybe the first time it doesn't phase you, like maybe, you know, maybe the first three times it doesn't, you don't even notice it, Mm. but then like just over time, it starts to erode, like how much fun this is, you know, for you. And I remember that, uh, the video was of the panel was posted online and I, it was just bombarded with this comment section of men being like, well, it's, that's just good storytelling. Like those Ugh. tropes are, are tropes mm. because they are good storytelling. And that brings me, like, I was thinking about that. And I've always, I've been thinking about that in relation to this question. What's, what's left of fantasy culture when you get rid of these yeah. tropes. And I'm mm. like, so much better stories. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. those, like what, like, how can you not see that the same damsel in distress plot line or or you know is is boring it is you know it's not good um the question also begs like when they say was just good storytelling good storytelling for whom i mean it's very clearly marketed towards one people Mm -hmm. and i think that's very lazy storytelling in that sense right so like um you know that that begs me to ask for for you all in queer arcana like how can you possibly tell a story without those tropes? How, how have you yeah. been doing it all this time? Yeah, Freya, you, you want to you wanna talk about that? Yeah, I mean, this is a big subject. Uh, I think largely we and other uh, queer D&D groups uh, don't know the answer to this. Because <laughs> I feel like partially it, it comes naturally in a sense. I remember um, recently visiting my first setting uh, which I wrote when I wasn't out yet. And I spotted a lot mm. of these under the radar things I didn't even realize back then where it was like, ooh, this is not not problematic in a sense, but it is very lazy story writing. It is sort of subversive tropes in a sense. Yeah. And it's interesting to, to look back on my history of world, world building and seeing that it is in a sense experience, I think, to uh, break free from those both personally to let go of like internalized phobia of, of stuff and but also just to be a better world builder in a sense um to make more interesting choices regarding that uh, it's 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 difficult to give a, a clear-cut answer to this what do you think Derek um so we um have been writing a story where I think almost everybody in a big seat of power is a woman um or queer, or a, a queer, or, or a queer person. Uh, I think those are m- maybe the main NPCs. Um, so what I think is that the story that we're telling feels, in that sense, modern, modern-ish. Yeah, th- and that's that's the thing that when you sort of, I think, when you remove uh, homophobia, queerphobia, uh, transphobia from your story, it's gonna, I think, feel. Of course, I, I'm not. I'm not a professional story writer, so I, I'm just basically say, saying my own opinions on the matter. Um, I think it, you lose that sort of maybe uh, that classic medieval 
gritty sense that some people mm. are are looking for uh, and sort of lazily using these tropes to sort of gain that saying like okay in medieval times um women were beating up or you know in in its in a certain sense and then i think um okay but why do you want to reimagine that in your weekend because that is that is a real question right, yeah, right. why question is your is escapism like, yeah yeah exactly yeah Again, an act at the LARP yeah. community. I'm sorry, I still love you, LARP community, and you are rather inclusive. But also, why do you want these things in your world? Yeah, you could just right, take it away. Yeah. right. It's it's, and I think the the answer we can kind of come to is that you know, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, racism, etc. They are not affecting the people who find those stories entertaining in real life. So they find it entertaining to engage with that in their free time because it's not something they have to worry about outside of that game. So it's just like a fun little, I don't know, thought exercise. Uh, Whereas for people who are affected by misogyny or homophobia or transphobia, like we don't want to deal with that in our fantasy because we're already dealing with it. Like it's, it's, we, we did that. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love the, the tiefling in this regard as a, as a fifth edition thing in that it was so like reclaimed by a community in the book. Oh my God. Become the queer race. Like being ready for (laughs) racism. And then all the, (laughs) all the, the non uh, male cis heads were like, okay, but they are also rainbow colors and Mm -hmm. let's not do the racism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that whole born evil thing? Let's not do that either cuz yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I I had some ideas actually when now you're talking Derek. Oh, this is why we complement each other so well. Um oh my god, we're so the best. <laughs> I, I was thinking about about um like a non-sexist homophobic trans queer phobic setting and I think it is in part taking tropes cuz I think that's what you do as a writer and as a um, as a world builder inevitably at some point right but it's it's critically looking at those tropes like why if there is an element of phobia in this I think 99% of the time it is completely unnecessary and you can take it out of the trope and the trope still functions for the most part if you look at gritty realism gritty realism can still be there without phobia you just can't do sexual assault plot for the most part mm. <laughs> but right. gray realism can still be a trope in this sense and for example the the lancer i mean uh, which is like a, a writing um for, for people who aren't familiar with that term is a sort of a character who's the immediate sidekick to, to the protagonist as a sense is mostly always written as a male character a brash male character like why ever is that a necessity so i think in most of the tropes that we find that are used in D you can with work uh, detach those tropes from their phobic parts or their not inclusive parts. And if you do that, you can still include them in your world and it can be an inclusive world in a sense. It just takes, I think, a lot more, a lot more work as a, as a writer, world builder, DM mm-hmm. in a sense. Uh, what I really find interesting is these, there's academic studies on this as well um, in social studies regarding D&D and RPGs and LARPs as sort of a tool for imagining perfect worlds. So it can be such a powerful tool for queer people, uh, women, whatever sort of marginalized community to sort of um, see what could be on the horizon in our actual world, to imagine sort of a perfect world and to start living towards that. It's, it's such a good way, I think, 
Like it's a yeah. it's a collective thought experiment with each other, and I think yeah. yeah. I, I think I think I do have to agree with um, sort of people saying like yeah, but that that is just fantasy, and I think in in a sense it is because sexism uh, um, uh, and has been so written also into Tolkien structure. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think because we've we've copied and pasted and built it upon that and modified it and remixed so m- much of that sort of that original fantasy content um, without unpackaging it properly, um, we now have this gigantic pop culture lens that makes use of, of sexism uh, unknowingly or maybe knowingly and, and not caring. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, I maybe do agree saying like, okay, if you're getting rid of, rid of sexism and, uh, and, uh, and, and racism and, and queer phobia out of fantasy, then you get rid of an essential part of fantasy. And then I think, yeah, that's true. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> that's a good point because yeah. like e- even if the argument that it's meant to be there or or that it is part of it ne- necessarily yeah. it would be true screw it who ca- who cares let's get rid of it anyway i love yeah. that yeah absolutely and and i think i think that's a general rule of thumb um also about consent rules like at the table and players like man let's care first for the people who actually exist in this world and then for their (laughs) fantasy characters let's prioritize (laughs) the actual physically able to touch people first and then worry about the fantasy characters yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'd be like that's so logical to me but it's very reasonable i mean like like your imagine what you said prior yeah go ahead sorry Sorry, i'm lagging one second Well, I mean, again? like your your fantasy world is so low on my priority list. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Freya, were were you about to say something? Oh, I think I'm back. Yeah, sorry, I just glitched so hard there. I sorry. Right. Um, can you, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, great. Um, uh, it like even what you said before. It's such a weird analogy to say like it's an essential part of fantasy. That's like saying. Imagine a world where murder is not illegal. And we just say, no, but we can't make murder illegal because that's part of our culture. Like, what does it even mean? Like, obviously it's a bad thing. So why would you not want another version where that is not included? Right. Can I, I think that's kind of the onus <laughs> where, where people don't even believe that's a problem. Right, right, right. And then, and then, but even from that, you can create a new world that has to come up with new solutions to that problem. Like, yeah. th- I, there are so many ways that you can go around this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I think we see this even with, with new, newer worlds, like quite modern worlds, of course. I think, uh, mm-hmm. let's take Harry Potter as an example of which uh, <laughs> we, I think that is a world, like when we started living in that world, like before we thought it was the example of the world that didn't have these features, in the beginning, at least I was under the illusion. It's like, oh yeah, this is sort of a thing where that kind of sexism, uh, uh, transphobia uh, doesn't happen. Boy, were we wrong, mm, yeah. of course. Um, so I think it kind of shows how subversive it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and how much we do need to spot for these things. 
And yeah. also I think they, how they creep into your fantasy world so quickly. Yeah. yeah. And also I think how much as marginalized groups we want to believe that something is inclusive because um, there's a very interesting um, uh, podcast I've been listening a lot to over the last year, uh, Which Please, uh, which is a, an analysis of two academics about like literally all the Harry Potter books. They go mm. super slow, but it's it's super in-depth. And it's so interesting to see that like almost none of it is inclusive. But I think when a lot of people read it, we felt like it was when we were younger for the most part, because it inherently feels like some sort of a marginalized or queer story in a sense. It is yeah. codified to seem that way. And then we, we just aren't critical anymore for some reason. Yeah. And I feel like that's the case with a lot of a lot of world building in modern media as well. I really appreciate that because I feel like as as a queer person who has some sort of guilt that the onus was on me as an eleven year old yeah. falling in love with this yeah. world to not to not catch mm. that, um, it, I don't know. It's it's kind of like it's a little bit heartbreaking for me sometimes mm. to realize the extent to which I almost felt duped into resonating with this queer codified um, right. tale only to have, I don't know. Well, we were talking about that recently when we talked about queer coding and how, how, when you don't see yourselves in media very often, yeah. you are so desperate to attribute yes. your like recognizable qualities to yourself in that media. So like, that's the whole reason why queer baiting works, like where yeah. they can just have two men like look at each other one time and we're like, <laughs> yeah. I see it, I see it. There, there it is. is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you for just that. <laughs> Listen, I have, I have to admit something. I'm now currently, uh, I have never really binged it, but I'm now binging Teen Wolf. So, you know, that's, that, <laughs> that tells a lot about my, my, uh, that's so my funny. taste level. <laughs> that's my taste level. And there's this first season where one of the, one of the main characters turns over to this dude. And I sort of, I was already attracted to one of these main characters. And he goes over to this dude and says, oh, wait, third question. Are you attracted to me? And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of like screaming. I was pausing. I was doing like a little, you know, like a very, uh, um, a very un, uh, <laughs> a little unflattering dance. And then later in the season, he, he, it turns out he was sort of, sort of a little bit like tricking the guy into like give, delivering information for him and then I was like mm. not only am I queer baited he literally queer baited the queer in the show yeah I was like oh my god that's <laughs> yeah, hilarious so cool. I've yeah. never seen that show but we actually know someone on it <laughs> I guess yeah oh, wow. oh yeah yeah I guess yeah I don't know like sure. we have a friend we go camping a with a friend and she the other day was like yeah my brother's Oh, Dylan O'Brien. I don't know. Is that the queer baby one? I want to know now. <laughs> oh, I want to know if he's the queer baby one. Let's let. Okay, what was it? Then it is his personal responsibility to set things around. Yeah, that yeah, is. we're yeah. gonna blame him now. <laughs> I'm now on a vendetta. I don't. Um, I don't know very many people who act, so I'm excited about this one. If Styles <laughs> is the character he plays, that is the guy. I knew it. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Once again, the queer the queer army has joined forces. Yep, we can personally bully him now. <laughs> okay, nice. great. Go to that person, uh, first of all, uh, say hello. Great fan, very attracted. Um, <laughs> <how dare you? laughs> 
there, there you go. I'm a drag queen. Look me up. I'm pretty big. No. <laughs> um, yeah. And then say thanks for the queer bait. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Phenomenal. I, um, I just, I want to talk to you a, like just a little bit about how, you know, like the big, the, like the tapestry of queerness is bigger too than what little scraps we do get in our fantasy media. Like we're very lucky if we get like the occasional like cis lesbian couple or like cis gay couple like thrown in as side characters. Mm. When meanwhile, like there's this whole ri like rich thick tapestry of identities and and orientations that all intersect and 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 mesh with each other. And from my understanding, for your group, Queer Arcana is is not at all a binary like your binary tra uh, 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 queer drag group as well. Yeah. Do you want to say something about that, Freya? Well, the first thing that pops to mind is that half of the crew is non-binary, first of all. So <laughs> that happens very quickly. I know that this is an audio format, quickly. but I'm cheering. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I can confirm. Yeah, I see. I see you cheering. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. I, I like five people um, came out, including myself, as some sort of other gender identity during the queer kind of project since we started two years ago. And I feel like it's such um also because it's such a safe space to experiment mm. again regarding like the perfect imagined worlds and trying out new identities. What I mentioned before, but it's um, I think if there was a community where it's easy to come out, it's here because you're doing yeah. LARPing in yeah. a sense, you're doing queer LARPing, it's in costume, you can do literally whatever. So right. I feel like that's very empowering in a sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such an interesting uh, uh, mix of people, of course. And this is also why we changed the name. We used to be called Dungeon Drag Queens. Uh, that was, of course, a funny, a funny gag name. Um, and now we're Queer Arcana. Um, because uh, it just felt more inclusive. It's a and great we call name. Ourselves, yeah, we call ourselves. Oh, thank you. Uh, we call ourselves drag performers. Um, so I think we have every type of of, of drag and uh, people who are explicit, uh, explicitly non-binary drag. Also, so we do want to pay respects to all the sort of drag forms out there. Because maybe for listeners who don't really know that, that there is in drag culture, you don't only have drag queens, you have a very big variety of drag performers. Like drag kings comes to mind, of course, as sort of the inverse of. Uh, of a drag queen, but there's also a sort of spectrum in the middle where non-binary drag um, can maybe be more alien, uh, alien uh, visuals or a combination of masculinity and femininity or anything sort of outside of a spectrum or of masculinity and femininity. So mm -hmm. it's truly gender exploration through visuals. Uh, that that is uh, sort of what the term is being stretched out to to be right now, and uh, we wanted to create a project that visualizes that yeah. stretching yeah. of that concept with and still keep it fantasy uh, as people recognize it. So they look at our show and it's like, oh, this is a fantasy group. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just saying, like, as a bisexual person, non-binary person, like. D&D &D and other games where you get to explore parts of your identity ha like are literally crucial like yeah. to to yeah. that experience <laughs> yeah because do you have that experience where you were interacting with your queerness during D&D &D? absolutely oh yeah I mean um 
you know, at first, uh, uh, playing characters that um, got to have like sapphic romances, what you know, like or or characters that were uh, I've I've played male characters and you know women characters, non-binary characters. I've played characters that are you know are gay and straight and bisexual and pansexual and whatever. And you're just kind of um, finding all of these, um, you know, like how all of those experiences like might feel like, and you're just kind of playing with what it might feel like if that were you. And then sometimes you're like, Oh, maybe that, Oh, that one might be, Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's very funny. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry if I if there was some laughing in the background. It was my girlfriend's playing Kingdom Hearts and saw Chicken Little and then went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, I continue. really have dug yeah. to the bottom of the barrel <laughs> <laughs> with Kingdom Hearts. It's wild to me that franchise. <laughs> this is this is why people don't take us seriously, Freya. We've mentioned Kingdom Hearts <laughs> and Teen Wolf in the context of, of world building and storytelling. No, I think no, this perfect. makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Avalon, <laughs> you were about to say something though. Well, no, I, so I particularly appreciate um, what you all are doing aside from the fact that it's just really fucking cool because I, my like queer journey and queer exploration and stuff <clears throat> is because I do queer burlesque. So there's a lot of drag overlap. Um, our troupe, we have a lot of um, different non-binary identity, drag queen, king, whatever. Um, and that is where like I unpacked stepping into queer characters yeah. through costume and performance so much more than D&D. And then I think that I was able to yeah. bring that energy to uh, GMing and NPCs and things like that. So yeah. I just think that that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's an interesting uh, question maybe is like how how did the, the process of dressing up for you or, or going into a character physically, how how did that, because in D&D we make characters, but it's only with our minds very often. Mm -hmm. How did it how did it for you feel to have that physical element to transformation? Yeah, I um, specifically with gender in, you know, creating a song or concept for a performance. Um, the energy that kind of went into deciding, okay, like how femme is this number going to be yeah. for me was super empowering. Um, mm. Performing certain numbers with no makeup or, you know, starting to look into like chest binding for certain numbers versus being mm. like full showgirl high femme for another number and, and what kind of um, physical energy and movement comes into the dance that's associated with that. Um, definitely has been my 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 big queer exploration um so yeah i love that yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you do you see a lot of overlap in in uh, uh drag and uh burlesque circles um, sorry did you say my name or derek's name i didn't hear to both of you open question okay oh great um <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm, I'm more in the drag scene of the two of us, but yeah. I think um, we visited the same place as Freya. Um, I was at, uh, I was drag queen <laughs> before the world ended. Yes, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was um, uh, a drag queen at a quite 
an explicit uh, gay bar. Um, so this is a little bit more fetish culture. And there, um, yeah, we had an overlap between burlesque and um, and drag. Maybe that is incidental. Maybe my experience is, is a unique one. Um, Freya, do you maybe know something more about the burlesque scene in the Netherlands? I'm not necessarily outside of what I've seen of Cook Church, so I'm, I'm afraid I can't add in that department. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, the, I, I know there is overlap, uh, especially, I think, since um, a lot of, well, I, I assume uh, young boys have started to do drag. Uh, and then maybe might have felt also that, okay, like drag is maybe too much of a costume, but I like the sensuality mm. of the drag character I'm doing. I'd like to perform, uh, I like to perform something that is not like classically drag, but I still want to play with this um, androgynous sexuality and then yeah. move over to burlesque or then, then jump over. So I think there you can easily slide into both subcultures from one to the other. I think they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny to me, I guess, on the flip side to see um, people who are, you know, identifying as femme who are getting into burlesque and then are slowly kind of getting more into lip syncing. And then they're kind of yeah. discovering <laughs> that maybe they identify <laughs> yeah. as more non-binary. So then they have this alternative burlesque drag king character. Yes. And then it yeah, like yeah, yeah. at at some point, at least where I perform, it's just all become so mashed up. Um, yeah. And it's, I, which I think is wonderful. It's really fun. Um, yeah. But we still call it burlesque, even though I think half of us are just like, we're some yeah, combination of you... gender play, stripping and lip syncing. Yeah. <laughs> because you call it specifically queer burlesque. Is yeah. there still within the larger burlesque scene, is that, a, is that a subculture for a reason? Is there a more conservative core to burlesque or is it in general pretty open? I mean, I think that it's fairly open, but I think if you're just using the term burlesque, you're getting a lot of people who are just very interested in recreating this classical vintage um, hourglass super femme yeah. um, performance right. with the fans and the feathers and everything else. And, and I think that the, um, the core of that, some people can be almost like quite religious about respecting that it mm. stays that way. Um, mm. Queer burlesque, I think it not only implies that, okay, if you're an audience member coming to this, like you're gonna see a lot of different kinds of bodies. Um, Mm -hmm. but also it's just like just messier I don't know it's more modern sometimes it's, yeah it's gay yeah. it's you know yeah yeah um yeah so it definitely I think it's a distinction that I maybe maybe it not everywhere needs to be made but I know that my experience with before hearing about queer burlesque specifically my experience with burlesque was always like the you know the the classic quote-unquote sure. style of you know which is not to say I mean that's no. so campy like it's not to say that that's not inherently <laughs> queer as well right, um, right. <laughs> I almost think that it's more about signaling to to the audience um don't just come yeah. here for tits like I think is, is yeah really mm. the big thing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it, it's strange um or well strange it's interesting to hear all of this because um I started I well I started I did drag outside of Cuyacana, I think for a year or a year and a half or so, um, just before I, I, I came on as trans. 
And then when I came out of trance, it, it kind of lost its interest to me for the most part. So I do mm. it still for queer Arcana, but it's more, then it's more of a costume suddenly. Um, right. Personally, instead of like an embodied art form, whatever. Again, and again, everyone moves on stage in our show. I just sit down as an old woman in like a Victorian dress and then read the script. <laughs> Not yeah. the full script. But yeah as a metaphor so i i think there is also like a, a very different trans experience um in that and kind of circling back to what we had before regarding queer identities and kind of figuring it out in dd for me that was really interesting as well in i really figured out before i came out as trans what kind of woman i wanted to be through dd by just playing oh, an, yeah. an, a great number of different types of, of social women, in a sense. And that was great experience, um, which really helped me when I actually came out. So I think there's so much power in that. And I think the flip mm -hmm. side of that was the embodied trying it out in drag, which I then very quickly found out that it's not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, sorry, if, if I may ask a question to, to Freya, like how... Do you in, in general, uh, because I think that's maybe one of our, our, our questions that we've pre-written. How, how in general do you think that drag intersects with trans identity? Because there's a lot of like arguments like, okay, it muddies the conversation surrounding trans rights a lot because people think that trans people are drag queens and drag queens are trans people. What, what do you think sort of... Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's it's a very deep and complicated subject, of course. But what what do you think about that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of dif difficult arguments regarding this. I mean, you have the RuPaul stance, of course, which is right, right. <laughs> problematic regarding this, and then you have the social um, progressive argument. I think of like there what you just said, like the fact there will be confusion, um, which I think is sort of an inherently conservative talking point in general I feel like when it comes to progressive politics um yeah I mean we see so many as a, I mean last week uh, Laganja came Laganja came out as trans as well I mean there's oh. there's been such an, a large influx of um like popular uh, drag artists coming out as non-binary or as trans um which I think is very interesting but I mean it makes sense that there is a lot of overlap because yeah. even more than D and I think it is a great way to to try it out in a sense. It's it's fucking with gender, and I think with Quiricana we're doing that like as well, maybe on another level still because it's so confusing. Um, but um, they definitely are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It, it's it's really such a great way to just throw your preconceived notions of gender out the window and just see where you land. I remember the first time that I did my own drag makeup when you kind of threw me into the pit of a clip church. It was so such a strange experience because I was looking at myself in the mirror and I really didn't recognize myself. And I hear that a lot when people do drag for the first time, in a sense, but I still felt it was different as a trans person. And every time you talked about it, about how you felt before, during, after drag, it was inherently different, which to me was an indicator mm -hmm. that uh, I, in a sense, was different. So in... I, I think that is also a powerful tool for identification in that scene, because by sort of making these things explicit, by embodying different genders, different expressions, et cetera, you 
you only then really start to notice what you feel, I, I guess, in a sense. So sure. yeah, it, it's just interesting. I don't I don't know how it relates to to trans identities in a sense, but I mean, of course, it's going to intersect in some some way. Absolutely. Well, I think that there's, you know, it makes a lot of it just makes a lot of sense to me, like just on a as a person who's never done drag or burlesque or anything like it. Um, it just feels like it absolutely can be a, a performance. And maybe for some people, yeah. it's just performing but it also might be self-expression. And for some people, it might be so much self-expression that it's, you know, that you're externalizing something that is real, mm. you know? Yeah. 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 Sorry. I think, I think that's also a generational thing that we're finding out now because the, the big statements from older drag queens uh, were like, okay, I dress up like a woman, but I am a man. This is something that RuPaul uh, himself keeps very, much repeating and sort of a lot of drag queens see a lot of value in keeping that separate saying like okay no but i am still a man and i well i don't know if the, if that's a, a generational thing but that conversation i think it's it's firing up again sort of now that we see a lot of overlap in the drag and trans community yeah uh, yeah that's interesting that is well i okay just before we completely run away uh because <laughs> uh, we could we could probably talk about all these things for days. Uh, can you tell me more about where to find everything that you do regarding Queer Arcana? Where do we go to seek it all out? Sure. Yeah, we have a YouTube channel. Um, you can just uh, YouTube Queer Arcana, mm -hmm. but I'm also we will link uh, it all in our in our descriptions. Absolutely. So Queer Arcana on YouTube, we uh, have an Instagram, which is The Queer Arcana, because somebody snatched that other name. I <laughs> saw that. I did see that. <laughs> yeah, well spotted. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what is that? That's not it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so YouTube channel, um, do you all have anything like uh, Patreons or Twitter or things like that where we can, where's the best place to find out what's the latest? Yeah. Um, so our Instagram is always up to date. Um, I will guide you to our uh, Patreon, which uh, hopefully is updated. Uh, <laughs> let me check. It is not updated <laughs> to our new name. Uh, it is, but I think we might not know. As, as we're broadcasting that it will be DNDQNL on Patreon. Okay, great. Um, and if that link changes, uh, we'll, uh, we'll update you. Yes, yes. And we'll update yeah. it in the description and everything. Um, yeah. Well, this was fantastic. Please, if you're listening to this ridiculous podcast, run <laughs> and go watch the videos for Queer Arcana. Um, you will not be disappointed. It is a great time. Um, and uh, let's see, Avalon, what are you doing after this? thing I say every time um <laughs> I'm gonna go watch a bunch of queer arcana on YouTube great oh. <laughs> and I'm uh, going wait. to look forward to the world opening up and you all like touring it in some capacity so that yeah. it's not just on YouTube that yeah yeah same <laughs> uh Freya what about you what are you doing after this 
I am summoning Chicken Little in Kingdom Hearts, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that might be the answer. Something to do with Kingdom Hearts. That's fantastic. (laughs) No, no, I'm joking. I am uh, going to further build my writing studio because I'm uh, buying a bunch of, uh, yeah, desks and stuff. Excellent. And Derek, what are you doing after this? Uh, I may or may not be returning uh, my senses to Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> no, we support you. We yeah, support. Yes. Okay, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I have a problem. I admit it. Yeah, I watch Good. very bad TV. Yeah, oh, yeah. Very we're we're in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I am gonna get ready to play some D and D. So that's my that's yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us. This was absolutely lovely. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah we're very so honored. We were looking forward to it to it a lot. Good. Um, please go follow the lovely group of Queer Arcana online, and that's it. Bye bye. You can find all of our Femsplained content either on Patreon.com/slash Femsplained, Twitter. You can find us at Femsplained Cast. Instagram, you can find us at Femsplained Podcast. And you can check out superdillon.com slash Femsplained to find the guest form and all of the different places where you can listen and connect with us. Awesome. You can find and follow me, Avalon, at A underscore Cat Attack on both Twitter and Twitch. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, TikTok, and all the places at Super Dylan. And that is D-I-L-L-I-N. Awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Bye. Bye.